Today's episode of Blast Burn Radio was brought to you by Jason Marsh, Joy Bird, LA Caveman, and other listeners just like you. If you'd like to support Blast Burn Radio, you can do so over at patreon.com slash challengeacceptedmedia. You can pledge your support and start earning exclusive rewards today. Thank you. are now listening to Blast Burn Radio. everyone, and welcome to another episode of Blast Burn Radio. I am your host, Jolly by Nature, and with me today are our Murica friends, our freedom-chugging co-hosts, Celeste and Lesser Engine. Uh, thanks for joining me today, guys. How's it going? It's going. It's going. Pretty good. I Actually, it's really good. I've been on vacation all week. It was my birthday this week. Spider-Man came out this week. Lots of great things happened this week. Uh, so I'm in a pretty good mood, despite the fact that it's the day is winding down and I'm starting to get tired, but I have coffee for that. I've got a vacation scheduled for next week, so I've got the entire week off and that's going to be nice. Um, I'm pretty tired. Um, people keep lighting up fireworks, even though it's, what, two days after the 4th of July and they keep going from 2 a.m. till whenever. And they keep lighting ones off that shake the entire neighborhood in my house. So I'm pretty grumpy about fireworks, but... Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad that all of you guys get your nice rest and relaxation. I just started the new job and it is more physically punishing than any work I have done since my 20s. So I am very tired, uh, but that's a problem that's going to get better with time. So I'm just kind of trying to hang in there. Uh, but yeah, otherwise it's good. Yeah, yeah. So this is like our first like for reals episode in a while yeah guys we're back on our bullshit and just in case you missed like the news on social media or in discord uh we did a huge generation eight news special two weeks ago and we promptly lost it due to technical difficulties i am really really sorry for the missed upload you guys that never feels great in general and it feels especially bad when i work just as hard as always and don't produce a podcast that sucks a whole lot Especially since we had guests. <laughs> yeah, we had multiple guests. It was it was an ambitious episode, and it just so happened that when I was producing our most ambitious episode to date, we got hit with the most bullshit that we've ever experienced. Uh, but that's, that's the way that it crumbles sometimes, I guess. I, I still might try to recover that episode. I haven't. I, I've gone back and forth on it about three or four times, but I don't want you guys to expect it, because even if it does happen, I don't know when. So... In the meantime, I'm real sorry, you guys. We're not going to cover that news again. It's just a lot. Uh, the TLDR version is be nice to each other and to the devs and don't declare things suck before you play them. All of that is just really, really shitty. Try not to do that, even if you're upset and your you're upset is valid. Uh, but we'll just kind of leave that there. The news never really stops, though. So what's new? Let's find out in this week's Pokemon News. 
do 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 this is the poke news the poke news yeah the poke news all right it has been a little bit so of course we need to drive mess crazy uh messer engine buddy what's happening right now in pokemon go listen nothing can sink my good mood not only do i have coffee but i have chocolate milk i'm like fucking eight over here um <laughs> in, when in reality i'm 34 now wah, wah, wah. uh go news uh there always is some uh do you like mudkip i like mudkip and if you do guess what you you guessed it community day for july it's coming with a kip and it's gonna be great uh, the event's going to be on July 21st uh, from 4 to 7 p.m. local time. And will feature all the normal Community Day bonuses. But this time for everyone's favorite little muddy buddy. We've also got a cool Pokemon Go cross-promotion coming soon to celebrate the Japanese theater release of Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. You can get your very own Armored Mewtwo in Pokemon Go starting on July 10th. Armored Mewtwo will become available in five-star raids, and this lasts through the end of the month, and that's July 31st, in case you were wondering. Finally, Pokemon Go turned three years old. How they've survived this long, nobody knows. Oh yeah, boatloads of money. Happy birthday, you lovable mess of a game. Uh, just like last year, Niantic released a really cool piece of art to celebrate the game's birthday, and just like last year, it included a cool tease of things to come. Pokemon Go's birthday art this year featured... Oshawott, Tepic, and Snivy. Uh, don't get your hopes up for an immediate release, though. Remember that it took a while between the last art tease and the rollout, but it certainly seems Niantic is starting the hype machine for Generation 5. Well, thank you very much, Messer Engine. Happy birthday, Pokemon Go, you flaming pile of dog shit. Uh, now, as Mess mentioned, Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution has released in Japan. Uh, if you, like us, are slightly horrified by the art direction of this film, then good news! Uh, the theatrical release featured a teaser for next year's film, and it is a return to traditional 2D animation. I don't know about you guys, but that's a big weight off my chest. Now, no matter how weird this movie is, I can just enjoy it as this weird thing that happened once and look forward to a return to form next year, which ironically is not unlike Pokemon Let's Go. <laughs> it was just the year for, for experimental things. Yeah, it's just like, let's do some weird Kanto shit this year, you guys. And fucking everybody was like, fuck it. All right. <laughs> sure. Why not? I guess. In a brief Generation 8 update, so if you don't want to hear those, just skip ahead about three minutes. It's not going to take long. Uh, Game Freak has responded to the fan backlash over the lack of inclusion of all Pokemon in Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, Masuda thanks everyone for their love and passion for the series, reiterates that this was a difficult but necessary decision, and emphasizes that just because a Pokemon is not included in these particular titles does not mean that they're gone from future games forever. Guys, what do you think of Game Freak's response to this whole clusterfuck? Well, it, you guys didn't hear this episode as previously discussed, but we actually talked about what we thought they should do uh, during uh, that episode. And, and this is pretty much what, what we settled on. They needed to respond. They needed to say, hey, you know, these Pokemon aren't gone forever. You're going to see them. But most importantly, they need to stick to their guns. If their decision was based in valid fact as far as man hours and like the amount of work that was necessary, and I have every reason to believe that it is, 
They don't solve anything by caving to fan pressure. It only sets a bad example for community behavior moving forward. And it realistically would only kick the can one game release or two down the road. They'd basically be setting themselves up to deal with the backlash again. And the community would be extra loud because they knew that, you know, they had caved previously. So I I think this was spot on. I can't say anymore. I completely agree with Mez in this. Yeah, I mean, again, we talked about this for like two hours, you guys. I'm really going to try to salvage it, I promise. But yeah, like this was this was 100% what they needed to do. And I again, I have every reason to believe that it's heartfelt. You know, it's it's especially frustrating for me. And we mentioned this two weeks ago, but y'all haven't heard it. But it's especially frustrating for me with the game industry being what it is and with crunch culture within the tech and game industry being what it is when people start complaining that the devs are lazy or that they don't care because that is so clearly not true. Like there are so many other industries that use even similar skill sets that are so much easier to work in and pay better that you can do if you don't love making video games. There is literally no reason to be a video game developer other than I love to develop video games. And when they're working themselves to death, Junichi Masuda put himself in the hospital during the ramp up to the Generation 3 release. If these people did not love Pokemon, they would not fucking make Pokemon. Stop calling them lazy. You don't have to like the design at the end of the day saying you put your best into it and I don't think it's good. That is valid criticism. But saying you don't care or you're lazy, you're a sack of shit. Don't say that shit. Yeah, don't do that. Like, this is an industry that's dominated by, like, mandatory overtime. Sometimes, like, in excessive stupid hours. The industry also often requires you to move on a regular basis because jobs come and go. Like, they hit crunch time, they push out a release, and then, oh, they don't need all that staff. And you're looking for another job, and you're moving halfway across the country or across the world. It's a hard fucking life that is heavily underappreciated, as most artists are, honestly. But they don't have the same crunch hours all the time. Like, just, just be decent human beings. Like, rule of thumb for life. Don't be a dick. (laughs) You can be upset about this. Your upset is valid. There are genuine reasons to not like this game direction. But if the way you respond to your upset is to take it out on other fans, to take it out on community content creators, or to take it out on the devs, then you're the asshole. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Soapbox moved. Yep, now that we're done lecturing our listeners. (laughs) Uh, Lastly, the big news over the last two weeks was certainly the release trailer for Pokemon Masters, the new mobile title developed by DNA. Uh, We got an eight-minute presentation for Pokemon Masters, including an animated trailer and some game details from the developers. They were still suspiciously silent on how this game is to be monetized and how you acquire team members, increasing our near certainty that this will 100% be a gachapon game. But we did learn a bunch of new stuff. Uh, We learned that the setting of this game is an artificial island called Passio, and that all of our favorite trainers have traveled to Passio to participate in a huge tournament, the Pokemon Masters League. Uh, We learned that Pokemon Masters has a new mechanic called Sync Pairs, where each trainer is linked to a single Pokemon, and you form teams of three Sync Pairs to engage in 3v3 combat. So three trainers, three Pokemon on each side. 
We also learned that combat in Pokemon Masters is real time with attacks drawing on a move gauge that fills over time. Trainers have their own moves that support their teams uh, and can be used during combat to either heal or buff Pokemon. And there are special sync moves that, well, I'm sure they're different from Z moves, but they don't really appear to be on the surface. And we don't have enough information right now to definitively say. But they're, they're big flashy attacks with custom animations, much like the Z move. Lastly, we learned that this title is intended for release in summer 2019, so this quarter, within approximately the next eight weeks. Uh, no lengthy pre-release news cycle for this particular mobile title. Uh, what did you think, guys? Did this presentation change your opinions or preconceived notions of Pokemon Masters? Uh, what are your thoughts? Not really. I, my mind is made up on mobile games for the most part, especially mobile games with the Gachapon-type mechanics. I just I have no interest in it. I, I I have better things to do with my time. Yeah, I mean, I play a couple, like on the side when I'm sitting in a doctor's office or whatever. Uh, this this wasn't out of left field. Last time we talked about this, when we didn't have the trailer and we didn't know as much, I mentioned that, you know, these style games often focus on having uh, similar, like different versions of the same units that have different abilities as part of the, the collection aspect to it. And I... I specifically mentioned that I thought that they were going to be paired with a specific iconic Pokemon from their team. And that's exactly what we're getting. So uh, evidently I was spot on and I'm pretty, uh, pretty pleased about it. Uh, but we'll see how it plays in practice. Uh, the real time battle mechanics in Pokemon go leave a lot to be desired. So I guess we'll, we'll see. I mean, from the trailer, this felt a lot more like like the combat we see in games like Final Fantasy XII, where it's just a bar that fills over time, and when it fills, you can use increments of it for attacks, so still turn-based with those turns activating in real time, which I think is actually probably a really good compromise on the traditional battle style. Um, I don't know if it's something I would want to see make the transition over to main series titles, but I think it's an interesting take for a mobile game and a side title, certainly. Yeah, Fire Emblem Heroes uses something similar to that, where it's turn-based, but there's a um, there's like a special counter that you that goes it counts down uh, as you get hit and deal hits, and then once it's uh, once it's full or diminished, I guess in this case you use your unit's special ability, which is oftentimes a large hit or allows them to survive a large hit, etc. So they're definitely uh, pulling on some of the experience they have with other titles. Yeah, I don't know. This this looks really, really neat to me. I, I think that this will be a good compromise for a lot of players who who are going to miss like the old and the familiar uh, as we make way into a region that is so clearly focused on the new. And... I'm not, you know, I'm not convinced that that was not an intentional thing. Like that seems like a very calculated move on Game Freak's part, uh, or on the Pokemon company's part, I should say, because different entities to some degree, uh, and Game Freak is certainly not directly involved in the development of this game. Um, I think it'll be a, a cool little time waster. I don't know if it's going to get much, if any of my real dollars, but I'll certainly download and play it. Yeah, a lot of these titles, if you do your login every day, they'll give you like free stuff to help with uh, acquiring units and things like that. And Fire Emblem Heroes gives you a lot of free shit, like if you just do your login daily. So if they follow that model, you should be able to build like a pretty good roster just by 
booting up once a day, which isn't too hard to do. Well, here's the hoping. Yep. All right, guys. Well, that is that is our news this, this week. And uh, you know exactly what's coming next and exactly where you left us uh, with Jolly waiting in stasis as Mess and Celeste picked up the pieces of their disastrous uh, Elite Four attempts at Lance uh, and started over right from the beginning, starting their journey through Johto anew. It was definitely a stressful proposition. I know that for certain, replaying half of the game with nothing to gain and everything to lose at basically every critical juncture. They each redid eight gems, made and lost new friends, and frantically formulated plans the entire time to rematch the dreaded Lance and come out on top this time. Now, Messer Engine was the first to finish. So, Mess Buddy, how was your catch-up run? Um, it was long. <laughs> uh, it was really long. And luckily, I had two weeks of vacation in this like six-week period. So, hooray for that, because I used a considerable amount of it for getting caught up so that I wouldn't be super stressed and like streaming three or four times a week. There's a lot to cover, so we're just gonna we're just gonna hit some highlights. From the get-go, I was hyper aware of uh, EVs. Because there were going to be some Mon that we probably needed near the end of the game or we wanted to be able to have available at the end of the game that weren't a hot pile of garbage. Uh, our starter being one of them. And so we were really careful about what we killed, even even pre-Faulkner, which was real shitty. And it added way more time like into getting caught up than was necessary. But rushing to halfway through the series... To go, oh no, now everything sucks and I, I, it's just not trained right was not appealing to me. So we took our time. Faulkner was actually pretty easy, but we didn't get a rock. <laughs> we did not get a Geodude, which is not impossible to do, but it's, it makes Faulkner worse and Bugsy worse. So we ended up having to get the, uh, the little Mareep egg. So we'd have an answer for Faulkner and we just blew through him, like literally just shot him down with lightning and said, see ya. Going into Bugsy and his Scyther, though, having no rock was a major problem. And it came down to a point where I needed to make a decision. Either I was going in there and just trying to deal without any super effective move options, or at least if if I had them, like I could shock that Scyther. I, I was going to take a ridiculous amount of damage from U-Turn. Uh, so we made the fateful decision not to save our uh, like cave encounter that's right there. I can't remember what the name of that cave is at the moment. Which we could have used for a Lapras later. Remember this. This is going to come up later. We needed a rock. And we got a rock. We got an Onyx. Uh, and the Onyx got right in the ball. If you've been following the series at all, you know that Onyx... I have failed to catch Onyx like three times over the course of several series, and he usually kills one of my Pokemon while I'm trying to do it. So, super jazzed about that. Having an Onyx early was fantastic, because his stats are really good. Early game, uh, we made short work of Bugsy, and headed on to, uh, what's her face, is it Whitney? Cowgirl. And we were worried about Cowgirl, but, because we did not get a bug, I uh, did not get an early bug, no hair across. No fighting moves, so it was Onyx or Bust, and Onyx did us, did us a real solid. Uh, just blew on through there. 
And that was real, real cool. We had no problem with Morty. Uh, we just used a crowbat and murdered the crap out of him like we did the first time. So moseyed on through there. Uh, shortly after defeating Morty, we caught what we thought was going to be a really excellent addition to the team for Lance. Uh, as Jolly mentioned, all through this process, looking at the pieces and trying to figure out what we we're going to bring. So Magnazone has a steel typing, which is excellent because it resists dragon. It can blow a Gyarados out of the water. Uh, there's a lot of things that it can do that are really good. And I was really jazzed about it. We got it trained. We got it leveled. Everything was fantastic. And then I promptly left it in in a doubles battle where there was a uh, uh, Magmar out. And just not thinking because I don't usually use uh, Magnemites. And I always forget like offhand that that steel typing is sitting there because it didn't always have it. And it got melted like literally 10 minutes after we finished training it. And I was so salt. Jolly can attest he was in the stream and I was so mad. I was so mad at myself. I was genuinely concerned for your mental health. Yeah, I was I was so angry because uh, EV training, just so everyone's aware, takes on average two to three hours uh, for a single Pokemon. I had just spent three hours training that that boy and then he died and I was... I was so angry at my uh, carelessness that it had died and ugh, so bad. So we continued to journey onwards. Jasmine was no issue. Fighty Man, whose name I'm blanking on at the moment, was no, no problem. Price was scary as shit. Ice is always scary, but it was particularly scary because we were in the midst of a bunch of team changes. Just cycling things in and out. And we uh, ended up getting uh, Don Pablo, our Machoke, which we were going to use to to bust on through against Price. And things did not work out great. We had a severe weakness to water and ice on the team. And I almost failed royally. Nobody died there. But it was a real close thing. And I had a similar run-in with my rival around the, the Team Rocket period where his Feraligator nearly ran through my whole team and it was real bad. It was real, 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 real bad. Uh, I had to make major shakeups, uh, but all the while as we're going through and catching things and, and changing the team out, I'm starting to get worried because we're heading into Claire without a whole lot of good options, not just for Claire, but for Lance as well. Like the, the encounters that I got just did not, did not deliver on a, a good strategy for Lance himself. Like we did not get a, a setup sweeper. Like we did not like a lot of the tools that we could have gotten, we, we couldn't have. And I needed a good ice Pokemon. And I had used my encounter on that Onyx earlier in the game. I could not get a Lapras. So a little bit of hope came in when we caught our world islands encounter and got a horsey. And we were like, Oh good. This is great. We will dragon dance to victory. Got them all trained up. And I was like, but I need, I need something to put Gyarados to sleep so I can just get a couple stacks of dragon dance up and 
I didn't want to, I did catch another Hoppet, but I didn't want to use it because of the quad weakness to ice. I couldn't risk the miss and then an ice fang killing off that Hoppet or that jump left by that point. So Operation Butterfree began. We caught a, a Caterpie, a level 20 Caterpie in the bug catching contest. And we pulled that boy out of the bank. We pulled Rio out of the bank. We gave it max speed and max special attack. It's got a fucking perfect special attack IV, by the way, which is insane. And with compound eyes, sleep powder almost never misses. And what's great is I can give it a scarf and it can just come in and it can fucking put Gyarados to sleep. And there's almost no no chance that it'll miss. I will get my sleep, goddammit. Uh, and so we decided we we're going to do a trial run as it were, on this. And we were going to use the strategy on Claire because we didn't really have a better answer. Claire is always scary because there is nothing that is super effective. Like, this gym doesn't get any easier on the catch-up. And so, everything started off working like a dream. But Cedra is not Kingdra. By a wide margin, we dragon danced up many times and it was not enough to down her Kingdra. Kingdra killed Starbuck, our sweet, sweet Cedra. And much like the last time we were at Claire, where Vatu died, our pincer died, our Alakazam came in to mop up the day. And we were now down our key strategic component for Lance and needed to make some serious decisions in short order. What we decided on is our only other option was to level friendly our seal, our jolly seal, and turn it into a jolly dugong who would learn ice beam via EXP share levels as we made our way through the Elite Four. We were going to give that boy a scarf. We would make sure he's good and fat. You take a hit. Uh, and then we were going to fucking nuke some Dragonites. Uh, the team in the end that we brought still included Butterfree. Butterfree was coming to give us just some some free hits on that Gyarados. Uh, we still needed an electric Pokemon to deal with said Gyarados. So uh, Zip, our almost Ampharos at that point, came back out of the bank. That day one, hour two pickup uh, came out of the bank. It was fully, not fully trained in HP and special attack, but it's pretty fucking close. And who else did we grab? We, we grabbed our Rhydon, Longhorn, uh, who is a defensive monster. Like, that Pokemon can take a hit on physical. And that was going to be important for Outrage. And it can learn Avalanche, which is the other part of this. If there's anything I learned last time is only having one ice move on my entire team meant that when Azula went down... Everything with Lance went to shit. The strategy was done and we died terribly. So we needed we needed a plan. And that plan was to have our Dugong and also have Avalanche, which hits fucking hard, uh, on our Rhydon, who is naughty and hits real, real hard. Uh, we also grabbed Chipotle, our uh, Typhlosion, who was nearly fully trained in special attack. So even though he had a special attack down nature, he was better than Pavu stats-wise, uh, which was good. We also grabbed uh, Miller, our Alakazam, and then uh, Chipotle, our uh, Typhlosion. 
Uh, we made our way through Victory Road, no problem. A-okay, super good. Uh, we murderated uh, the first three trainers of the Elite Four. Alakazam just does a number on two of them, and then Chipotle uh, put in some really good work against Koga, making sure that Fortress wasn't going to explode and ruin anybody's day. And then we went on to Karen. Now, Karen is a concern because... She, there's not enough dark Pokemon in the game for her to be a dark Pokemon trainer, but she is somehow. And she makes up for that with some Pokemon that are not dark type. And I was a little worried if we lost somebody on Karen, Lance was going to be much, much, much worse, especially if it was a key component. Thankfully our Dugong was going to be scarfed. So that was our answer for dealing with Houndoom. Like, our goal was to be able to uh, bring out the Dugong when the Houndoom came out and just hit it with water because Longhorn, our Rhydon, does not want to take a special hit uh, off of anything. And most mostly this, this worked out really well, actually. There was a moment in which the Gengar came out and I was real concerned about what to switch into because we were not in a good place. And we actually let Rio come out we brought the we switched the butterfree in and ended up putting the gengar to sleep which turned out to be huge friendly got a really good switch in on the houndoom and even though it did not kill it in one hit with surf uh, it did not nasty plot on that turn so that was real good we were able to take that out and at the end of the day we mopped up karen with no no negative problems dugong learned ice beam everything was good and we went into Lance. The plan for Lance was to put Gyarados to sleep, set up a tailwind, bring Ampharos out, set up a light screen, and then murder that thing. And that went pretty much exactly to plan. Out came the level 50 Dragonite uh, with Outrage. We were hoping to the high heavens that we could take one of those. Uh, and we did. Uh, we we took that hit off the Outrage to Thunder Wave, that Dragonite, which was really, really important for the Parachance and to reduce its speed. And then we immediately switched into our Rhydon, who we were hoping was going to take that Outrage pretty well, considering his uh, enormous defensive bulk. He got hit by that Outrage and it still took like 60% of his health. It was bad. And now here is here is the moment of truth, right? I got to hit this thing. It's now confused. Uh, it went into confusion after the second outrage. If it outrages again, and it does roughly the same amount of damage as it did on the switch in, Longhorn's dead. And that's real bad. I'll get a clean switch into Dugong, and I'll ice beam it, and that'll probably be the end of it. But... I will be down a very defensive, bulky Pokemon who happens to know Stone Edge, who, I, like, mm, it's so risky. Thankfully, the Pokemon gods were on my side. Dragonite punched himself in the face. Longhorn dropped the avalanche on that boy, and he was gone. He was just gone and dead, uh, and it was fantastic. And here's where this was really important. Because Lance immediately brought out another Dragonite. And one of those Dragonites knows Blizzard. And I figured that that's the Dragonite that came out. That made sense. It was going to, it could not hit Rhydon with electric moves. And both of those Dragonites have two electric moves. So I switched into Dugong. Predicted hit on a Blizzard. 
It did. It blizzard. Do Gongo care? Quad resist blizzard. Came in, took that hit real good with its scarf on, ice beam that boy down and out, and it was gone. Just gone and dead, completely vamoose. And out came Aerodactyl. And here was a moment of absolute existential dread. Because Friendly is scarfed, but Aerodactyl, a very fast boy. And if Aerodactyl outspeeds me, I'm going to die. I'm going to die real bad. Uh, And it is not going to be a good situation. Rhydon can come in under the assumption that he's going to resist the hit that's likely to come down. Aerodactyl's likely to do a rock move, uh, which is going to be super effective, uh, and it's got stab. So we go ahead and we switch into Rhydon. We're right. Good predicted switch. Does a minimal amount of damage. Uh, But now we're staring down Aerodactyl with a very low health. Rhydon. But what, what are we going to do? We got no choice. We're out now. Uh, so we avalanche again. We get hit first, obviously. Uh, and we don't die. We come right down into the red. Like the bottom, like 10 fucking points. We avalanche that boy and he's down. Out comes the other Dragonite. And we do the same thing we did with the other one. We switch into Friendly. Except Friendly doesn't get hit by a Blizzard this time. He gets hit by, uh, what is it, Dragon Pulse? Which does a considerable amount of damage to Friendly. Friendly is in the yellow. But he gets the Ice Beam. That Dragonite goes down. All that is left is the Charizard. And the Charizard comes out. But Friendly ain't gonna live. That hit and he's locked into Ice Beam. Everybody on the team... Is not in a good place to come out against this Charizard, right? Rio's a bug. He don't want no fire. Longhorn is in the red. Like, anything hits. Something blinks at uh, Rhydon. He's dead. Friendly is hurt real bad. Zip is hurt real bad from the outrage early in the fight. Miller, the Alakazam, wants none of this. He does not want to get hit by anything. Alakazam's whole shtick is watch a magic trick. Your brain is mush. And I move on. If you slap... Alakazam, he goes down like a, a wet paper towel. It's it's not good. So the only Mon that we have who's healthy, who can come in on a clean, like a, an unclean switch, is Chipotle. The problem is, Chipotle only knows like two functional moves, and they're not really all that functional. He's got Sunny Day, he's got his, uh, not Flame or uh, Lava Burst or whatever it is. The 30% burn chance uh, move. He's got Solar Beam and he's got Quick Attack. That ain't going to get the job done, most likely. Uh, Especially when Charizard can hit him with Air Stab. But we don't got a choice. We got no... Nobody else can come in. So, and of everybody on the team, Chipotle is the most sacrificable, I guess. Or sacrificial. Like, he just... He doesn't bring as much to the team as everybody else does. And as much as it sucks, we still have PvP to think about. Because at this point, it looks like we are going to get through this. So we go ahead. We bring out Chipotle. And they duke it out. Firemon be Firemon. And we we fight our hardest. But we knew that was going to be a losing battle. We put a significant amount of hurt on Charizard. But Chipotle takes one for the team. And goes down. And now it's Miller's time to shine. Was it in fact Miller time? 
It was fucking Miller time. He comes out and Lance full restores and he psychics away with choice specs and Charizard goes real low and Lance full restores again. He does this like four times. Uh, and finally on the last hit, the last full restore Miller crits and kills that Charizard in one shot revenge for, for poor Juan who just barely failed to do that in our previous run. And that was it. Operation Butterfree was successful. I brought a Butterfree, the like root one fucking early ass bug to the goddamn Elite Four. And we won <laughs> in a Nuzlocke. And that is in the computer for fucking ever. I had such a bad stress headache after that, but it was finished. We made it. Well, congratulations, Mess. That was definitely impressive. And I know that, obviously, I can't speak for anybody else, but I was real excited to see you get that redemption arc. And I imagine that more than a few of our listeners were as well. Um, now, you didn't hit it going through your, your playthrough notes. Uh, who did you wind up franchise tagging this time around? Oh, it, so I franchise tagged my ride on. I, both Celeste and I were trying to get through the E4, and we, we had a, a gentle person's agreement to try not to fuck each other over because the series is is better for us both being through. And we're, we're putting in a ton of hours, you guys, to try and get through this. Nobody wanted to be like, hey, uh, I'm taking Alakazam, fuck you, and then just make it a, a grueling nightmare for the other one. Like, we wanted to get through and see the end. And the way that things worked out... The only things that I could realistically safely say when I was going in that was going, that could be tagged and really not hurt Celeste was Butterfree, which I took Butterfree to the E4, but I don't know if I'm <laughs> willing to commit to Rio being on the team for the rest of the run or Rhydon, who nobody has used in a series before and can be a, what, a Rhyperior uh, after this week. Who's real good. He's slow and he's bulky, but he's an interesting choice. And we we tagged him. So now we got a good a good steakhouse rock man. Hooray for the steak rhino. Yep, steak rhino go. All right. Well, that is Messer Engine's uh, replay, and we're real glad that you came through on the other side, buddy. But, of course, you weren't the only one to take the big dirt nap against Lance and to have to pick it all back up. Uh, Celeste, how was your catch-up run? So it was the run of horrible crits starting right out the bat in the first few routes of catching a Spiro and then getting it crit to death by Rattata at really low level. So it, it was just a great start. Um, <laughs> losing 20 points before even getting into the first gem. And that kind of colored the entire run. Ended up getting lots of Pokemon with very low IVs and defense stats and special defense stats. And it kind of colored how I decided to use different things and avoid training things until I needed them, which had me lever leverage some interesting Mon at certain points. So... Honestly, getting through all the gems wasn't an issue. I got a Geodude early on, so the first two gems went with no issue. Just used a rock and murdered them. Whitney was no problem. And the only thing that interesting happened to before Morty is I ended up getting a shiny bird while training a Stantler. <laughs> 
actually, right outside of you. I think I was training in Sandler. I was training something in attack, and it was right outside Yucatrick City, and I got a shiny freaking Pidgey. The crit burb returned. Shiny golden bird. Don't get me wrong. That's super exciting. I'm much more interested in what the fuck you were doing EV training a Stantler. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I was using it as a backup. So I ended up utilizing some interesting Pokemon to get through some things. I used Stantler because early game it has high attack. It's pretty bulky. And... I didn't have to EV train things that I didn't ha- know if I was using or was going to train a different way later down the road. So these, those got to stay in the bank. Like my slowpoke just stayed in the bank because I didn't want to level it. I didn't want to evolve it and not have it as an option later on. So I ended up pulling a lot of my weight with a Stantler and a uh, Moo Cow for other reasons. That That is incredible. Cow Squad. <laughs> so we also picked up an Alkazam just from gambling and we used that to run over the fighting gym all the gyms were pretty easy um we surfed over jasmine the issue of jasmine is i had a tank fish i love the tank fish i fought jasmine before fighting price just because my brain wasn't working correctly for some reason that day and i'd completely forgotten price became was before jasmine so i actually over leveled my fish because i prepared for jasmine so I couldn't use the fish for price, which fish for price anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, which caused a lot of problems. Thankfully, we had our moo cow and moo cow had thick fat. So we just stomped prices Pokemon to death and it healed up with milk. And yeah, we had our own doom cow and price couldn't handle it. Now, as far as Claire that was an issue, but we'll get to that in a bit. I completely forgot to mention our other deaths. Um, our second death of the series was our Graveler, who took a crit explosion while fighting Team Rocket, and that was really frustrating as well. 20 more points to a bullshit crit. I mean, it happens, but, you know, the Rock's there to survive explosions, not get murdered by them, but, you know, happens. Now, when we fought Claire, I had our tank fish. We were mowing Claire down. There was no issues until Tankfish got crit and it died. No more lightning fish. It was sad. Now, Celeste, Mm -hmm. Tankfish is not a Pokemon. What was the Pokemon? (laughs) Oh, come on. It was a uh, freaking lantern. Chinchow. Don't come on to me. The water type is characterized by being fat. You can't just say Tankfish. They're all Tankfish. Fine. It was a Chinchow. It will forever be known as Tankfish by me. It's the tankiest of boys. It absorbs lightning and it just laughs in the face of almost everything unless it's crit to death. Okay. So we lost that. I was in very poor spirits at that point and went right into the freaking Kimono Girls to not only use a jump bluff versus a Vaporeon, but get hit with an Aurora Beam and lose my jump bluff as well. And that was, yeah. So what I did was I pulled out my cow and my Stantler out of the bank and trained them up to fight frickin' Hoa. And yes, I used a Moo Cow to murder Hoa. That's incredible. <laughs> and yeah, after that, I had to figure out a strategy for the Elite Four. I did not know what to do. I wanted a guaranteed ice move. I thought about using Seal like Mez did. I just didn't feel like copying. I wanted to do something else. The option was there. 
I probably should have done it, but instead I decided Steelix gets Ice Fang on level up, and it doesn't level it up by learning, but you can go back to the mover learner and grab it. So I went and taught it Ice Fang, decided on its moveset of being Rock Throw, Ice Fang, Curse, and Rock Polish. I leveled up an Executor, so I'd have reliable status that's bulky. We had Garuda, our shiny bird. Our Ampharos that wasn't so tanky just because its IVs were low, but it was still an Ampharos, so took it with us. We brought our Alakazam, and we brought, as our six mon, our Licky Licky. Our Licky Licky was interesting, too, because it had a special defense down nature, but its special attack was huge for our Licky Licky. It was above 110. And so that thing with Blizzard could just destroy any Dragonite that came out for it. So that was a very big positive. So nothing else happened. Everything was easy up till Elite Four. We made complete jokes out of the first Elite three Elite Four members. There was just nothing to be said. Alkazam and Steelix just laughed in the face of everything. And then Karen came up. I utilized Garuda, our bird, to take down the Umbreon. Out came Houndoom. I switch into Licky Licky to take on Houndoom. Houndoom crits Licky Licky down to 70 HP. I'm like, well, you're not fast enough. You're dead. I'm going to have to take the free switch. It uses the next flamethrower. Hits Licky Licky down to 1 HP. Apparently that matchup, Houndoom versus Licky Licky. Licky Licky is always going to live with 1 HP. Because this is the second time in the series it happened. Because it happened to you, didn't it, Jolly? Something pretty similar, yeah. yeah. Although there, there was also burn and berry shenanigans. That was fucking wild. Yeah, it just all wild. And then Lucky Lucky with its freaking huge special attack just decided to destroy the Houndoom in one hit, and that was all done. So Gengar was slightly a problem because I did a misplay because I was still like shaken by what happened with Lucky Lucky. I threw out my bird versus Gengar, which I wasn't thinking. And a Focus Blast just wrecked my bird and killed it. So I wasted my shiny bird. But thankfully, my Executor came out and could just status it and then slowly whittle it down with Leech Seed. And I didn't have to worry about any freaking shenanigans of you kill me, I kill you. That freaking Destiny Bond. After Karen, my plan for Lance... And it was a very big all your eggs in one basket thing, but I had nothing that else could could have reasonably taken on Lance. Everything that I had that was bulky was really slow. I had no setup Pokemon that could actually take down Lance easily other than this freaking Steelix. Losing my Lantern was an issue. It was a big part of my plan for Lance. So was Jumpluff. And so all of that got thrown out the window. So I let up Executor. I put it to sleep. I was slower, took an Ice Fang. Um, I had set up with a berry to resist ice, even though it was two times effective. The berry reduced that damage, so it wasn't too bad. Put the Gyarados to sleep, set up Leech Seed, set up a Light Screen, switched into Steelix, who had a anti-fire berry, just in case I missed after all this, and started setting up curses and rock pulses, trying to keep a balance of defense, speed, and attack. Unfortunately, I needed a ton of attack and a ton of speed because my Steelix was an attack down Steelix, so it didn't have the best attack stat. And without 
a six plus speed. I did not trust it to outspeed a Charizard. I couldn't figure that out. I couldn't calculate it. I just had to try to get as many stats as possible. And it was working. The Leech Seed was keeping me up. Um, every curse was making me take a little less damage. After a while, it was starting to look really good. As I was approaching that critical mass of having six attack, six defense, six speed, Gyarados crits with a waterfall. And Steelix goes down. And that was a problem. So we switched into Ampharos. We took down Gyarados. The level 50 Dragonite comes out. One shots our Ampharos. Lucky Lucky comes out. Is slower than it. Takes another Outrage. Lives. Kills the 51. Then comes out another Dragonite. And that Dragonite kills Lucky Lucky. And then proceeds to wreck everything else. Because it, by unfortunate circumstances, it ended up being the Blizzard Dragonite. So it took care of our Execute. And then everything else just died to it. Alakazam couldn't tank anything. And that was our run, unfortunately. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, I'm I'm real sorry, Celeste. That was that was frustrating to me to watch you put in all that time and effort and still just kind of come to the exact same end. But you know, that's that's the way it happens sometimes, and, and we did our best to make it clear to you guys before we undertook this that that was a very, very real possibility. But you guys wanted to see us do it again. So Celeste and Mess did it again, and we got a mixed result for you. It's better than a net negative, right? Hey, you two have still have a show to be in, and I'll be there for next season. It's all good. Honestly, crits happen. I mean, I took a big risk with trying to set up with a Steelix, but it was honestly the best answer I had for Lance, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, like, you probably could have gone to, like, plus four, plus four, plus six. Yeah, just because every turn of setup, obviously, exponentially increases the risk. But at at the same time, if you would have done that and then just barely missed the one-hit KO, then it would have been, oh, if only I had set up all the way. There's just, without calcing, there's no way to know. Yeah, and I that's against our rules, so I couldn't. I had to just do the best I could. Yep, and there's there's no shame there. All right, guys. Well, that was that was the catch up run. We have one challenger continuing on to the back half of Heart Gold and Soul Silver, and another watching on the sidelines until uh, Unova Two Electric Boogaloo comes around. Uh, but obviously, not everybody who started the catch up made it through the Elite Four. So let's go ahead and take a few moments to say goodbye to the friends who will not be joining us in Kanto. Oh boy, there's three of you. Magnazone, I don't remember what your name was. I lost it in that fit of rage that I had after you died. Uh, It's also been many weeks and I released you from my box, so I can't really go look it up. So I'm sorry you died. That was completely my bad. Like what? 100%. Somebody setting off fireworks outside. So sorry if y'all can hear that. Magazine, real, real bummed, buddy. Sorry about that. But we made it. Zip stood in for you and it was great. Also, uh, Starbuck, you were supposed to be the one. You were the chosen one, goddammit. But you, you couldn't, you couldn't beat your, your future self, which I should have known, but. You know, four four dances should have been enough, and it, it wasn't. I'm sorry you died. I was real sad, uh, and that that wasn't real great. 
I didn't know you for very long either because I picked you up right before the gym trained you and then you died immediately. It's just something I did this series, evidently. Hey, we're friends now. Hey, you're dead. And Chipotle, you were with me since the beginning. You were the one I was really worried about bringing to the E4. And you were the one who were like, okay, I'll go out and die for everyone, I guess. Because uh, you were like literally at full health. That's all that you, you were doing there. But it was so important and so necessary and you secured the win for us. I, I will think better of you, Typhlosion. You've moved a couple spaces up on my, my starters list. Not many, but a couple. Thank you. So, there are ten of you. Spiro, who, whose name I don't even remember. You died really early on, and it sucked, but I'm sorry, I don't remember you. I, I'm kind of a jerk. I don't remember the name of my graveler either, and I'm sorry about that. To be honest, this entire second run has been going on during a very rough time in real life. And so I haven't kept the best notes. I haven't kept the best memory of everything. I just was trying to get it done. So I apologize. I don't remember all of you. And it sucks. I'm sorry. I don't remember the name of my lantern. And I love my lantern. That crit sucked wasn't much i could do about it claire just decides and both our runs because claire took down our ampharos in our first run with a crit it's just destined for claire to take something from me every time i go through uh, heart gold and then jump left that was my fault i'm sorry i should not have had you out in front of a vaporeon i just was not thinking at the time and i had underestimated the kimono girls the second time around, because I was just trying to get through. And I was tilting a little bit because I had lost my lantern. So, that was my fault. I'm sorry. Now for the Elite Four crew. You guys could have done it. You could have gone all the way. You made short work of everyone. You made Karen think think twice about using the Houndoom versus Licky Licky, and that was great. Lance is just a jerk. And... We almost had it. It was within our reach. I'm sorry. We didn't make it. And we'll get it next time. All right, guys. So this is the part of the show where we check in with our friends. And, well, it's been a while since we heard from you guys. I, I hope you're all doing well. Uh, our first email of the week comes from listener and friend of the show, L.A. Caveman. Uh, Celeste, would you read their email for us, please? Sure. L.A. Caveman says, Hello, Blastburn crew. My life has finally slowed down to a point where I can actually handle a Nuzlocke run, so I decided to go with the flow and start back with HeartGold. Well, it's been a total roller coaster and a cluster of a run. I was luckily able to barely beat my first run of the Elite Four of a Dragonite, making a lucky Blizzard miss on cores. They're right on. To sum up my run, everything is dead except for my current team, which goes as follows. Truly Espeon, Motorboat Seeking, Nitro the Honchcrow, it's a shiny, Grosh the Dawn fan, UFO the Blossom, and Bad Ice the Muck. Hopefully I can finish the run and go in the next series on a high note. But for now, good luck on the rest of the series. Till next time, LA Caveman. Thank you very much, Celeste, and thank you very much, LA Caveman. Congratulations on that shiny Hans Crow, by the way. That is a dope-ass shiny. Uh, we've spent the better part of a month at this point just writing home the message that Lance is a huge pain in the dick. Uh, so congratulations on making it through, friend. Uh, our next email comes from our good friend, Flame and Air. Uh, Mess, would you read Flame's email for us, please? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Give me one second. I was, I actually just went and checked to see if the list of dead Pokemon was still at the bottom of this email. Uh, cause it was so many, so, so many. Yeah. Th- this email was incredibly long. We trimmed it for listenability. Sorry, flame. Yeah. yeah well, you know, I wouldn't put it past Jolly to give me like literally a million Pokemon names to say. Flame says, hey, BBR crew, Flame and Air here with our check-in for the Elite Four of Unova. Wait, that was 24 weeks ago? Better late than never, I suppose. I did finally finish the Pokemon Black Nuzlocke. As previously mentioned, Aliara and Old School Bliss were waiting for me, and eventually we decided it was just best for them to continue on. They both successfully finished the gauntlet, and Aliara won our series with 1450 in points. Bliss behind him at 1350. I was still just after the ice gym struggling to get Pokemon trained up for PvP without them dying, down to only actually eight Pokemon alive. Things did turn around for us, though. We managed to accidentally catch an Axu and trained it up for the Dragon Gym, which I was incredibly nervous about, but we did get a clean sweep. Our late-game encounters really helped us. We were all set to go in with our Whimsicott, Seismitoad, Haxorus, Excadrill, Ferrothorn, and Scrafty. And then three battles from getting our Seismitoad to level 50, we encountered a kind of odd-looking bird. Uh, a shiny Vullaby right before the E4. Vullaby, which does not evolve until level 54 at our level limit of 50. I was kind of mad, but we trained up Liliana the Vullaby and attempted to use her in the Elite Four. That Elite Four run went surprisingly well. We actually pulled through only losing Liliana before she could gain the four levels to evolve. We went ahead and pulled Ferrothorn out of the bank for N because he was supposed to be there until we found a shiny that subsequently died, so it seemed fitting. We threw our Master Ball at Reshiram because fuck that noise, I don't need the points. And then we faced N. <laughs> I was pretty nervous here, and it was a tough battle, but we did manage to prove our worth versus N and defeated him, but not without significant loss. Three of my six Pokemon went down to N, including Oros the Haxorus, Exava the Scrafty, and Gitrog the Seismitoad. That meant that versus Getsis, it was all up to Malira the Excadrill, Spike the Ferrothorn, and Akroma the Whimsicott. All three weak to fire, knowing that we had a Hydrogen with Fire Blast awaiting us. Gets sled with his Cafagrigus, and we brought uh, Malira out for that Toxic immunity. We set up to max attack with Swords Dance and took out the Cafagrigus, and Getsis decided we couldn't have any more fun and immediately sent out the Hydrogen. It outsped Excadrill, killed me with Surf, uh, outsped Ferrothorn and killed it with Fire Blast, and finally outsped Whimsicott and killed me with Fire Blast. Everyone down, we finally completed our Nuzlocke. It didn't end in success, but we did our best and went further than we expected to get. In the end, I had 43 dead Pokemon and only 5 left living in the box. I finished the series with 230 points. My friends have been shipped forward to Alola, where they'll get to live comfortably without so much death following them everywhere. I provided a list of all my Pokemon below, but by all means, you do not need to spend 10 minutes reading it all. Thank you for doing what you do, and despite the struggle, I enjoyed playing along with this series. All the best, Flame and Air. Thank you, Mess, and thank you very much, Flame. Congratulations on completing your Pokemon Black Nuzlocke. 
You did it. I- I'm really sorry you didn't get the end that you were looking for, buddy. Like, I understand that. But that's that's part of the thing. And just completing the run is its own satisfaction, at least to me personally. Uh, so congratulations, buddy. We're proud of you. Uh, we did also get a message from our buddy Tom, the host of Payday Podcast. We're not going to read Tom's message because it was mostly about Generation 8, which we have a firm. We only talk about this during the news policy. Uh, but thank you so much for checking in, Tom. We really appreciate you, buddy. Yeah. Now, if you are a proud member of the Blastbird Nation like Tom, Flame, or LA Caveman, and you're playing along with us at home or just following the show, we do want to hear from you. Uh, be sure to get at us by email or through social media, and we will share those messages with the community because at the end of the day, we're all in this together. All right, guys. Well, it is that time, finally, after much delay and coming into PvP at our mid-series finale, Celeste was unfortunately once again unable to topple the massive hurdle that was Lance of the Elite Four. Suffering her second wipe on the series, her run is complete. She rests in third place with a score of 490 points. In second, we have Messer Engine falling slightly from the deaths he suffered during catch-up, but safe from the dreaded Badoof for one more series, he brings in 900 points. Remaining in first is myself. I was able to defeat Lance in the first attempt and thus greatly expand my lead. I bring in 1,290 points. Now, as a reminder, this is Finale Rules PvP. We are each bringing in our teams exactly as they stand after the Elite Four Gauntlet. No substitutions, no item changes, nothing. Uh, And this match is worth 100 points up from the usual 60. Now, as we are down to two competitors, there is no mystery left. Messer Engine, let us fight! Dun-dun-dun! And here we go. All right, we have BBR Jelly in the gold corner, leading out with Cunny, his Licky Licky. And we have Mezzer Engine in the silver corner, leading out Rio, his Butterfree. Are you two ready? Yes. Yep, let's do it. Let's go. You two begin. Rio, right out the bat, puts Cunny to sleep with a sleep powder. Mezzer Engine then switches into Longhorn, his right on. Cunny stays asleep during this. BBR Jelly switches into Stampy, his executor. It takes a hammer arm from Longhorn, which is not very effective for only 21% of its health. And Longhorn speeds... Yeah, Longhorn speeds... Yeah, its speed drops because of the freaking hammer arm. There you go. It's so detrimental. It's such a fast boy. <laughs> it is absolutely the very fastest of boys. Mezzarin switches back into Rio, taking a sleep powder on the switch. Rio stays asleep, and Stampy sets up a Reflect. Baby Jelly switches back into Cunny, his Licky Licky. Now both Cunny and Rio are taking a nap on the field. Rio wakes up and uses a Bug Buzz, knocking Cunny down to 72% of its health. Another Bug, bug Buzz hits Cunny for another 30%. It is now at 42%. Oh, come on. Cunny stays asleep again, and it takes another 30%. 
its special defense <laughs> lowers, but then Cunny uses strength and its critical hit, smacking down that poor bug. It just was angry. Cunny angry. <laughs> <laughs> Miller comes out from Ezra Engine, staring down a poor Cunny with no health and lowered special defense. It it just drops a psychic from Miller. Beetleborg comes out for a BBR Jolly. That's his Heracross. And Zip comes out from Ezra Engine, his Ampharos. Oh no! A Night Slash from Beetleborg hits Zip down to 74% health, but Zip's static paralyzes Beetleborg. That cannot be good for Jolly. That is the worst thing. Cosmo comes out for BBR Jolly. That Arcanine. Lowering Zip's attack, but it doesn't really matter because Zip is not really an attacking boy anyway. Zip set up, sets up a light screen. A fire blast from Cosmo hits Zip down to 52%. Light screen doing some work. And a discharge from Zip hits Cosmo down to 66%. An extreme speed from Cosmo hits Zip down to 26%. And Zip paralyzes Cosmo with a thunder wave. A second extreme speed from Cosmo finishes off Zip. But not before it spread a bunch of status onto Jolly's team. Friendly comes out from Ezra Engine. His Dugong. An extreme speed from Cosmo knocks Friendly down to 81%. And a Surf from Friendly hits Cosmo down to 8%. Stampy comes out for BBR Jolly. It takes a Surf on the switch for 21% itself. A second Surf hits Stampy down 19% and a Sleep Powder from Stampy puts Friendly to sleep. Miller comes out for Mezzer Engine, his Alakazam. Stampy sets up a Leech Seed, stealing a little bit of health from Miller. A Shadow Ball from Miller finishes off Stampy. Cosmo comes out for a BBR Jolly. An Extreme Speed from Cosmo knocks Miller down to 40%, and a Shadow Ball from Miller finishes off Cosmo. Maple the Mammoth Swine comes out for a BBR Jolly. And Friendly comes out for Mezzer Engine, taking a Ice Chart on the Switch for 6% of itself. Friendly stays asleep, and it takes an Earthquake for 57% of itself. Friendly stays asleep again, and it's finished off by another Earthquake. Longhorn comes out for Mezzer Engine. Beetleborg, the Heracross, comes out for BBR Jelly, and it takes a Stone Edge for 100% of its health on the Switch. And Jolly's last Pokemon, Maple, comes back out. An Earthquake from Maple hits Longhorn for 84% of its health, and then a critical hit Stone Edge finishes off Longhorn. Good game, Mess. Good game. Ah, good game. <laughs> you didn't need the points. That closes the gap by a lot, though. Yeah, I did not need those points, but oh my god. One hacks is one thing. I got like four. Jesus, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I specifically switched in uh, Ampharos for that static chance. I knew he could take it. That was a good play. The, the crit Stone Edge was just an insult. <laughs> <sighs> At least Longhorn hits his fucking Stone Edges. When I use Stone Edge when I'm laddering, it's just like, miss, miss, <laughs> all the time. Hit two in a row and one of them crit. Jesus, fuck. I can't, I can't say too much, though. I hit three extreme speeds through Para. But fuck me. Good game, though. Yeah, good good game, buddy. That franchise tag just making accuracy better. 
you played a hell of a match. Uh, all right. Well, where that leaves us, uh, obviously Celeste remains static with her score of 490. That's not going anywhere. Um, just as a point of clarification, because we discussed this and we're going to change things a little bit from like the established precedent here um, just to avoid numbers inflation. Um, historically, when we've had someone wipe at the finale, their PVP points have just been kind of granted because they, they did not participate. So they lost both their matches and that will hold true for this mid-series finale, but we are not granting PvP points for Celeste moving forward, because at that point, we're just making the numbers bigger for no fucking reason. So, (laughs) with that being said, in third place, we have Celeste remaining for the remainder of the series with her score of 490. Uh, In second place, we have Messer Engine, who has closed his gap noticeably with two PvP wins. He now has a score of 1,100 points I, Jolly by Nature, picked up my one victory by forfeit, and that brings me up to 1,390 points. Uh, my, my gap narrowed down to 290, which just for, for the sake of scale, that seems like a lot of points. There are 16 gym leader rematches on the table. So there's a lot of points to be had. Anything could happen from here. There's a lot of points to be had. There's a lot of points to be lost. Those rematches are no joke. Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't think that anyone should be snoozing on the back half of this series. Uh, how do you feel after PvP tonight, Mess? I feel pretty good. I mean, again, I brought a Butterfree with me. And, like, Rio did, did good work tonight. Uh, in PvP, and Longhorn definitely uh, proved it was worth that that franchise tag. It lived that that quake off of uh, Mamo, which was huge. Yeah, yeah, and if he had failed the Oko, I would have got you with the Ice Shard, but he secured the Oko. Like, he did exactly what you needed him to. I actually feel pretty good about that. That was my first loss to mess all series, but, I mean, he was due, for one. Like, incredibly due at this point. Mess plays really, really well. And then, like, I feel really good that I stayed competitive down to, like, the last turn, despite a number of dice rolls going definitively in your favor. So, it was a good game. Yeah, absolutely. Like, your team's really threatening. Like, I brought in the gimmick squad to the Elite Four, so PvP was a little nerve-wracking, being like, eh... But I can tell you that things would not have gone as well as they did uh, if poor Chipotle had been on the team and one of these other friends had been dead instead. So it's sad, but it was the right objective call at the time. It feels real gross to do PvP without Chocodile. I'm real sad that this is just the series where no starter may live. No starter may live. True sad boy, Alice. All right, guys. Well, that is that is Johto. Johto is done. It is in the books. And now we look forward to the back half of our series exploring the good old familiar Kanto region. Uh, this week, our remaining challengers will take a trip on the SS Aqua to reach the old familiar land of Kanto, where eight fresh gems await our challenge. Now, as with our previous jaunt through gold, silver, and crystal, our progression paths through Kanto are entirely our own. We may pursue this region in any order we choose. Uh, the rule in place against out-leveling optional boss fights is really important here, uh, as there are a lot of legendaries, rematches, and other valuable boss points available in Kanto, but you can't out-level them in order to earn points from them. 
Uh, the exception to this rule, however, is the gyms themselves. As long as you do the gym beneath the week's level limit, you can outlevel the gym leader. We weighed those things and we felt that keeping the freedom of progression was more important than keeping the purity of the level limit. It, exactly. Our level limit for this week will be 53. How are you feeling going back to Kanto, Mess? What's on your to-do list for this week? God, I don't even fucking know. My entire last six weeks has been just entirely encompassed in catch up, don't wipe to Lance. There's nothing beyond it. It's like fucking Mask of Zorro. There's nothing beyond this circle until I tell you there is. Uh, and now we're beyond the circle and I don't know what the fuck to do. So I guess I'll figure that out tomorrow. Fair. I desperately need to get my hands on a water type. Like I need to decide who is coming on the squad to replace Chocodile. And I don't have anyone in the bank currently that's really up to snuff. So I'm going to have to go hunting for a fish. Uh, so that's going to be a good fun time. Um, I think I'm definitely taking on Erica week one. Like I have business in Celadon. I'm coming for Lou as it were. Uh, so we're going to make a beeline there, I think, and maybe to pewter as well. So that should be fun. Uh, get that good, good Mount moon action on. Yeah. This is the week where I hate my life because there's a fucking Porygon in my future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have run one in every series bar red, blue, yellow, where it was available. I, I don't think I can break the chain now. All Pokemon will be fighting types. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, as always, we want you guys to know when and where you can find us streaming. And that's especially true this week as I've started my new position. I no longer have like a set Monday through Friday, nine to five schedule. So my stream schedule is going to get a little bit wonky. So make sure to, to pay attention or just follow and turn on notifications on Twitch. Uh, but generally speaking, mess, you're up to stream first. When can we expect to find you streaming on Twitch this week? Uh, it should still be tomorrow, which is Sunday night at 6 PM at twitch.tv slash engine, which is Sunday, the 7th of July. Uh, if you want to come hang out, we're going to be hopping into Kanto and trying to figure out what needs to be on the agenda for this cycle and then setting about to do it. I, I definitely think there's going to be some encounter hunting this week because we have an open slot we need to fill, unfortunately. And some of the team makeup may shift a little depending on what's available. So make sure, sure to tune in for that. Awesome. Thank you, Mess. Uh, now, I will not be streaming on my normal Monday or Tuesday night time slots because I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at 6.30 o'clock in the fucking morning, and I am not staying up with you guys until damn near midnight playing Pokemon the night before that shit. I love you guys. I don't love you guys that much. <laughs> um, I will be streaming on Friday evening, 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash jollybynature. Maybe Thursday as well if I'm feeling frisky. We'll have to see how exhausted I am after said gauntlet of 6.30 a.m. shifts, uh, but definitely Friday. Again, just be sure to follow. Be sure to turn on notifications and you'll be notified whenever I go live. Uh, once again, almost always 9 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash jollybynature. Uh, now, Celeste, obviously your run has concluded, but Pokemon, or at least Pokemon Heart Gold, is not the only thing that you are capable of playing on Twitch. Are you planning on getting any streaming in this week? Um, I might. I have the entire week off, so I might stream sporadically depending on what I feel like playing. Um, there's not really any set time, though. 
yeah. So uh, once again, be sure to follow Celeste at twitch.tv slash Celeste Lost. Be sure to click that bell for notifications. That bell might just be a YouTube thing. I might just watch so much YouTube that I'm used to hearing about the bell. But find the <laughs> bell, goddammit. Click the bell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, guys, as always, we want your emails, whether you are playing along with us at home, doing your own super dope, awesome Pokemon stuff that you want to tell us about, or if you just want to give us your thoughts and feelings on the show and what we're up to, uh, please send those emails to BlastBurnRadio at gmail.com or get at the show on Facebook, Twitter, Discord, however you consume your BlastBurn radios. As always, you can follow me personally at BBRJolly on Twitter. I'm at Celeste Lost. And I'm at Mr. Engine. And also, don't forget to check out Mythic Portal Games for all of your role-playing asset needs. If you uh, play any sort of tabletop game or, or role-playing theater of the mind type RPG, and if you use an online platform like Roll20 or Astral Virtual Tabletop or some other awesome uh, tabletop platform that is just way too cool for us non-hipster kids, or even if you play in the meat space like an old person, uh, if you have a printer, you can still make that work. Uh, Mythic Portal makes great uh, tokens and map packs and just assets that will help give your campaign that nice professional polish if you want to feel like you're on critical role. You're not. None of us are. We're not as good as Matt Mercer, and he knows it. He's looking at you, judging you as you polish your dice. But that's okay. You can feel like him a little bit with some good art from Mythic Portal Games. Be sure to check it out. We make music now, too. Holy cow, that's exciting. <laughs> it's really cool music, too. Yeah, music is uh, exclusively over on Astral right now, though. So definitely go check that out if you want to add a, a little ambiance to your, your session. Yeah. Uh, now, as always, I do want to thank everyone for joining us today. I want to give a very special thank you, as always, to my co-hosts, Messer Engine and Celeste, for Blast Burn Radio. I am Jolly by Nature. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. See you next time, folks. See you next season. Well, I'll be on the show still, but, you know, I won't be streaming. Bye. Blast Burn Radio <laughs> is a production of Challenge Accepted Media. This episode was produced by Jolly by Nature, Celeste the Lost, and Messer Engine. If you enjoy Blastburn Radio or any of our other projects, you can support us at patreon.com slash challengeacceptedmedia. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. Opening music in today's episode includes Game On by Fishy off the OC Remix album, The Missing No Tracks. Check out this great album at missingno.ocremix.org. Battle music in today's episode provided by Glitch X City. Check out her work on YouTube or SoundCloud at Glitch X City. Closing music in today's episode is National Park Cover by Family Jewels. Be sure to check him out on YouTube or follow him on Twitter at FamilyJewels7X. Design work and stream assets provided by Rachel Mondragon. Check out her other work or contact her for commissions on Twitter at RachieChu. Blastburn Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content. <laughs>